It's a brace for the 18-year-old and three points in the back for Chicago. Federico Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in. It falls for Shakiri. The Swiss international back onto the score sheet, and he doubles the fire lead. All right, football fans, welcome to the first ever live edition of the Intercontinental Football Show. The U.S. Men's National Team moving on to the round of 16 to take on the Netherlands. I'm your host, Tyler Terrence, joined by none other than former U.S. Youth International goalkeeper and current Chicago Fire goalkeeper, Mr. Spencer Ritchie, ladies and gentlemen. The podcast, of course, is brought to you by our dear, dear friends over at Revolution Brewing. And what would be an intercontinental football show without a little bit of hazy pitch? And, of course, our friends at Intercontinental Football Show, Revolution Brewing, are right there in the back. Big hand for Revolution Brewing. All right. Big exhale. We did it. This has been in the making since 2017, since that fateful day in October in which we failed to get a result against Trinidad and Tobago. Everything that this federation has been doing has been gotten to this point against Iran. You come into a win-or-go-home situation, and the boys pull through by a score of 1-0. Christian Pulisic quite literally putting, uh, as Spencer would say on Twitter, putting the soccer balls on the line for his country and for his team. So... Spencer Ritchie, I've never seen you like that before. It's tough being a fan, you know? Can we swear on here or no? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, no, my heart's pounding. I mean, it's way more nerve-wracking being a fan, uh, supporting a team that you care so much about. So it's fitting that it came down to the last game in a must-win situation. It was a little scary at the end, but, man, what a win. So as we've done throughout this entire tournament, I want to I start with sort of the starting 11 and, and how Greg set his team up because I do want to continue to sort of analyze this team in a, in a sort of nuanced way. But at the end of the day, all that mattered today was that we got the result and that we got the three points. But in terms of what you saw from Greg, what you saw from this group over the course of 90 minutes, like do you really have any complaints or sort of any – did you have any worries when the starting 11 came out? I mean, for me – the biggest one was obviously Cameron Carter-Vickers. Yeah, I think especially when center backs haven't played much together. I don't know if they have any minutes together, Tim Ream and Carter-Vickers. Um, that's always, you know, that's a bold call to swap uh, Walker out. And, um, you know, there's been some criticism over Gio Reyna and his lack of playing time. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a results-based business. And 1-0 gets you to the next round. And so uh, there's not much people can say about Berhalter and his decision so far. So we will get to the Gio Reyna debacle uh, at some point during this podcast because it needs to continue to be talked about. But um, like you said, the only thing that matters really is the 1-0 result. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the attacking front and sort of whether or not you thought that the the Josh Sargent starting spot was, was the right call. I mean, you and I have talked about it at length in terms of the lack of number nine, not just you and I, but every pundit in the country has been talking about how the U.S. have struggled to create chances um, did you see anything different in this game uh, in the attacking third than what we've seen previously against England and against Wales? You know, I think it's tough. The, we haven't been great at creating chances so far this tournament, and I think it's, uh, you know, maybe putting a little too much pressure on the number nine, especially a guy like Sargent. He's more of a hold-up player, a guy that likes to crash into the box, um, get on the end of service, and 
Um, you know, I think you could tell guys maybe wanted it almost too bad in that first half, and even in the second that there was a, a lack of execution a little bit in the final third, some heavy touches, some poor services, um, you know, especially from set pieces. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, our two goals uh, come from wingers in, in the three games, and, um, you know, that's something that we're probably going to need to continue to get is some goals from midfield and some opportunities created from there for uh, to have some success against Netherlands. Um, it's going to be a tough game. So obviously Christian Pulisic did not feature in the second half. He was subbed off. Brendan Aronson comes on. I think we can all agree that Aronson is, you know, from his time going back to his Bethlehem Steel days and coming up through YSE and coming up through the Union Academy days, it's, it's almost astonishing. Four years ago, this kid was playing in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which I'm sure nobody here has even heard of. But uh, this kid comes on and, and continues to make a difference. And I think something that we all came into the tournament with, it's almost like a Mauricio Pineda situation. You didn't think that Aronson was going to start, but you always knew that he was going to play a big role. And if Pulisic, for whatever reason, can't play on Saturday against the Netherlands, and that game is going to be Saturday morning against Virgil van Dijk and company, um, I, I feel like even without Pulisic, you have to feel pretty good about the fact that there's enough depth on this team, especially at that position, to be able to sort of carry us through. And, and you're not going to feel like it's a significant drop-off, maybe not even a drop-off at all. Yeah, I think this has been one of the deeper teams in, in recent memory, you know, and especially in, in attacking areas. I'm a huge fan of Aronson. Um, you know, there's something to be said about bringing him on as a sub. He's, you know, full of energy, likes to press, he's aggressive, he takes guys on. Um, you know, I don't know if some of that is diminished if he's, if he's in the starting 11 versus being brought on in the second half. But, um, you know, if it needs to be a Giorana coming in, if it needs to be an Aronson, um, obviously Pulisic is your guy. And, he uh, came out clutch again today, but if he, you know, isn't able to start or maybe he's only able to play limited minutes on the weekend, uh, you know, you, you think the U.S. is in a pretty good spot at those positions. So I want to take a step back for a second and, and sort of talk about what this means for soccer in this country. And we know the exploits of the women's team and how dominant they are. I think I was talking with somebody, you know, the final group stage game of a World Cup for the women's side is never something that a women's national team fan is ever going to have to worry about. But it's different on the men's side. And, and continuing, continuing to progress and get to the knockout stage, especially with the second youngest team at this tournament, I think that that's something that everybody needs to continue to keep in mind. I mean, that... That is a true testament to sort of how Greg has able been able to get 26 guys to buy in for a week. That's really what it's been, is, is getting guys to buy in for, for a short amount of time. And, I mean, you're somebody who came up to the youth international system, and I, I'm curious in terms of what this means for you as somebody who's watched multiple cycles both have success and have the, the detriments of 2017. What, what does it mean for you as somebody who plays professional soccer in this country to see us advance? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I, you know, I was a, a soccer fan long before I was a, a professional player. And, and, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, my heart is still beating from this game today. But um, it, it's, a, it's a special day. You know, I think the expectation is there for, for the U.S. that people expect us to be in the knockout rounds every year. USA. And, uh, you know, I think, as you mentioned, it's a young side. And, and the reality is today was a huge game. It was a vital experience for these young players. Um, you know, Saturday with Netherlands, who knows how it's going to go. But, um, you know, this is a huge, valuable experience for a young national team that will hopefully carry them into Saturday and, and you know, definitely carry them into the 26th World Cup here at home. So. 
No doubt about that. Again, this is the first ever live episode of the Intercontinental Football Show coming to you from the fire pitch. Is, is this your first experience at the fire pitch? First time. First time. What, what do you think? I might have to be back Saturday. Spencer Ritchie making an appearance maybe, on Saturday. Maybe. My wife might not let me. So well, we'll first see. of all, a big congratulations to Spencer, who just became a first-time father a couple of weeks ago. Amber and Isabella brought into this world. I'm on borrowed time right now, so... We'll see how uh, we'll see how Saturday goes. So how how is doing not only a podcast and being in fire pitch for the first time, but how is it doing it all on sleep deprivation? It's uh, it, it, you know, some nights are better than others. We're two and a half weeks in here, so uh, Cameron doesn't know much what's going on. She's uh, not on much of a schedule. We're kind of in survive in advance mode right now until uh, she gets a little older. But um, it's been fun. It's uh, it's been awesome to experience my wife, and being in off season certainly helps. So I don't have to, uh, you know, be training on uh, four or five hours of sleep, but it's been awesome. All right, survive in advance mode uh, continues to be a theme here at the fire pitch. So Megan O'Keefe, part of our communications department right there, Megan O'Keefe has the microphone. We're going to open things up a little bit. Um, anybody out there right now who has a question about the, the group stage, has a question about our matchup with the Netherlands coming up, um, Megan is going to be passing around the microphone. So if you have a question, raise your hand, and Spencer, probably more so than me, will be more than apt to be able to answer it and it looks like we've got our first one first of all say your name say where you're from and then and then fire away how's it going man i'm chris from chicago here in Northside, a couple blocks away went to lane tech what do you think netherlands is gonna the biggest threat's gonna be against the usa we were just talking about it a bit um off the mic but i mean yakpo has probably been the best player in the tournament thus far. I think I heard us that earlier. He's the first player to score in all three group stage games since Messi and maybe one other player. But, um, you know, he seems to be their immediate threat. Um, Netherlands is always a deep team, but it's one game and anything can happen. So um, it'll be a fun one. Send, send Beralta that DM. Watch out for Gapco for sure. I'll let him know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I think that that Netherlands midfield is going to be by far the biggest test for uh, the U.S. midfield, which has now played, I believe, you know, Eunice Musa and Tyler Adams have now played 270 minutes, if my math is correct, um, obviously, plus stoppage time. But even against England, I thought that we were superior. But between Frankie de Jong, Gakpo, um, and, this, and this Netherlands midfield, this is probably going to be the hardest that they're going to have to work because I think that the Netherlands, like the U.S., have an extremely... Um, high defensive work rate uh, whereas maybe england are a little bit more attacking minded for sure and i think you know as i mentioned before getting through the group stage was the expectation but now that the pressure of this game is off these guys shoulders of course there's there's pressure to to, to show well on the weekend but at this point now it's just experience for these young players and i think our midfield is 21 across the three of them on average um you know, it's going to be an incredible experience for those guys, and it's just, um, you know, going to be vital for them as, um, you know, again, win, lose, draw, who knows. But coming back to the World Cup in 26, you know, that's kind of something I have my eyes on, and I think a lot of the guys on the team will be in their prime when that comes around. Any other questions out in the audience? Megan O'Keefe walking around with a microphone. She's wearing the gray United States quarter zip. Can't miss her. If you have a question for Spencer about Fire's upcoming season, what the offseason has been like, what fatherhood is like. He's got about nine days of experience. Here we go. Name and where you're from. 
Paul from Chicago. I well, thanks, it. Paul. Where in Chicago are you from? In Lakeview. There you go. Yeah. So, Gino uh, so, Reyna. Uh, where we're confused why he's not getting more playing time. He seems like, you know, he's the future of U.S. soccer and should play more than like like 10 minutes in this tournament. Well, Paul, this is a fair question, and I'm going to lay out the facts in terms of what I've read and what I've heard. Um, it seems as if there was miscommunication between Burhalter and, and Gio in terms of whether or not he was fit enough to play in the first game and whether or not it was a tactical decision. And there was an article released, Eric Winaldo, of course, you know, a U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer and a guy who's played in multiple World Cups and who's close with his father, Claudio Reyna, same thing and saying that you know he's frustrated that he hasn't been playing and that there seems to be some sort of discord amongst the camp. But at the end of the day, the, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle in terms of whether or not Gio's fit, whether they feel like he can help them, whether it's a tactical decision. Spencer, I know you have a couple of people who you're close with. I don't want to get in too far into the deep details because you never know what you, you, you can't always believe everything that you hear, but from where you're standing and your experience in these types of situations, what do you sort of make of this? Because for me, this is a guy who's gonna get sold to a big time club for 40, 50, 60 million dollars at some point. He's by far one of the most technically gifted players on the team. He should be playing more than 10 minutes. What do you make of this situation? Yeah, I think it's a tough, you know, there's obviously been some different messages from both of them. Gio says he's fit. Greg says that they're, you know, trying to play it safe with some of his soft tissue injuries. Um, it's tough for me to... <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. It's tough. It is tough. Whoa. Excuse me. I think that was a bad omen that uh, the microphone knew that Spencer was omitting some things. But, it, you know, I, I, I think that as U.S. fans, we can be glad that we got past the group stage and that this tournament wasn't about what if Geo played. That... I don't want to say Greg has gotten it 100% right because I do think Gio needs to be on the field, but every World Cup has a story. In 2014 for the United States, it was about Tim Howard and his unbelievable ability. In 2010, it was Landon Donovan against Algeria. I think we should all be thankful that 2022 wasn't, we didn't play Gio and look what happened as a result. I think that that is sort of where we can hang our hat on for now. Um, but with Pulisic being injured, it does ask a lot of questions. Who's going to start against Netherlands on Saturday? Is it going to be Aronson? I personally like Gio more out of the wing than Aronson. I think Aronson's more suited to play in the middle of the field. But um, this is by far the most intriguing and controversial piece of this World Cup that we have for the U.S. at the moment. And let me ask you a tactical question. If you had your druthers, who would you like out on the wing, Aronson or, or Reyna, to start if Pulisic's unable to start against Netherlands? I would probably like Gio. Um, as I said before, you know, the energy and the spark that Aronson can bring, um, you know, is, is probably second to none on the team. And he's a guy that likes to press. He's aggressive. He can turn teams over. Um, he can take guys on. So he's a guy that, you know, it's kind of that fine line of, you want him on the field, on the pitch as much as possible, but you also don't, um, you know, want to take away maybe one of his best attributes, and that's the uh, and that's the ability to change the game. So, um, yeah, if it is something, you know, off the field with Gio, you know, hopefully that's something that 
that him and Greg and, and the rest of the veteran guys on the team can work through and um, try and iron out because, you know, this is, it's different than playing for your club. This is for your country, and you see the difference in, in the passion and the guys on the end of the bench and the fan base and everyone buying in. So um, if, if Christian can't go on the weekend, it'll be interesting to see what Greg does. All right, again, Megan is walking around with the microphone. If you have a question for Spencer, again, could be national team related. I can tell you off the mic. <laughs> <laughs> could be national team related. Spencer Ritchie is offering up secrets of the national team it's over here. Off not the true. record, off the record, off the record. Looks like we have a question. What about our Heineken loving friends over here in the corner? You guys have a question? You're good? You're good? Okay. This is the best dress table in terms of attire that I saw. They've been here since about 11 o'clock uh, central time in the morning. Any, any questions? Thoughts on the game, the fire, fatherhood? Spencer's here to answer all of it. I have answers. He has questions. Yeah. Oh, he has answers. I, I, yeah. I okay. A, How do you get your 17-day-old uh, daughter to sleep more during the night? Ignore them. <laughs> I'm kind of being serious. <laughs> Maybe we'll, what, oh, hey, hey, now, now. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Now, now. This podcast is sponsored by Revolution Brewing, so if you're going to ask the child to drink alcohol, then it's going to be beer. Okay. I mean, I'm kind of being serious, but you could, just, you could hire a sleep whisperer. Those, those are true things. Sleep whisperer. Sleep consultant. We have one of those at the Chicago Fire. His name is Jamie Chin. Jamie Chin, ladies and gentlemen. He's the sleep whisperer of the club. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, Spence. Before we sign off here, Netherlands, we already have the question, what's going to be the most dangerous aspect of this group? I think the midfield is probably the easiest answer. Um, heading into a knockout round type of atmosphere, and this is a group, again, second youngest team at the World Cup, uh, what's the biggest thing that you're going to be keeping your eye on, uh, maybe outside of the midfield uh, for Greg and the boys? Yeah, I would say, you know, defensively the team, the boys haven't given up a goal run a play. It was, a, you know, just the penalty. Um, you know, can they keep the defensive shape together, keep it at zero while also trying to create more offensive chances? You know, it's always a, a fine line that teams try uh, to walk, is it a game where U.S. comes out and tries to sit in, or do they do they come out and try and go for it? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, Netherlands is a tough draw, but everyone's good at this point, and everyone's got some type of mojo on their side. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, I'll be able to get out of the house again. But <laughs> TBD. Do you start Cameron Carter Vickers? Yes. Elaborate. I but in a game where you're going to be dealing with more delivery yeah. and it's not going to be the same setup as Iran, because you can understand Greg starting him and wanting more pace and a little bit more possession, Zimmerman might be more suited to it. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough call. I mean, you saw Walker came on today. He was good. He was, you know, smashing headers. That's his um, that's his biggest strength. So it, it's a tough call. Um, you know, even through the midfield, McKinney looks a little bit banged up coming off. Um, you know, it's the benefit of having a bunch of young 20-year-olds in your midfield is maybe you can ride them a little bit more than some other teams that have aging players. But, um, you know, I'm sure if uh, the result doesn't go the U.S.'s way, that Greg will be criticized either way. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. 
All right, one last question for you. It's a little bit personal. Oh. I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway, though. Okay. Do you feel hard done that Shakiri won team MVP over you? Yeah, it's disgraceful, honestly. It's Agreed. despicable. Agreed. Despicable. Spencer Ritchie, ladies and gentlemen. All right, this has been the first ever live episode of the Intercontinental Football Show. We will be back next week, hopefully, to recap the United States moving on into the quarterfinals of the World Cup. But thank you, everybody, for coming out, and we will talk to you soon.